right? Because I think so many times when we're in ministry or we're leading a Bible study or we're preparing to speak somewhere or prepping for a podcast, it's so easy to be, to quote, be in the word, to prepare for things we're going to do for God versus spending time with God just for the sake of being in his presence. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens, the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Thank you for joining us today. Today on the show, I have podcaster, I have author, and all-around amazing woman of God, Rebecca George. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I am so good, Eric. Thank you so much for inviting me on and allowing me to share with your people. I'm so excited to be here. Well, thank you for for even, even doing this. So, so where are, you, where are you joining us from today? I am in East Tennessee, which is really fun to say. We're about 30 minutes outside of the Smokies. My husband and I just moved. We it, we keep saying back home because I grew up here and my husband lived here for over 20 years. But we were in South Mississippi for about three and a half years, the beginning of our marriage up until a couple months ago. My husband's a pastor. And so we have transitioned back home and we're really enjoying that and and definitely still getting settled in. This is only my third or fourth podcast in our new home. So this is this is still feeling like a new space. Well, okay, so did you guys get unpacked before you did this? So really thank you so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think we kind of delayed our recording date a little bit just so I would have a place to actually look like a person on camera. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm I'm still working on my my background space. That that plaque of Cleveland, that championship belt is getting. I got to figure out something. Else. I love that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. My uh, my childlike nature is coming out behind me right now. So yes, that's great. So thank you so much for for joining us today, especially with the move and everything else you guys got uh, got going on. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna dive right in. I'm gonna have the, okay. the audience a chance just to to get to know you a little bit. I know you touched on your background, but um, where are you from and where did you grow up? I grew up in the northeast part of the state. So if you think about the state of Tennessee, the shape of it, I grew up in the very top right hand corner in a little small town called Kingsport, Tennessee. If you're familiar with with um, NASCAR at all, our speedway, the Bristol Motor Speedway is only about 20 minutes from where my parents live. So if you're familiar at all with that area, we're very close by and um and yeah, that's where I'm from. That's where I grew up until I moved to Knoxville, which is where I went to college. I went to big SEC college, went to, univer- to the University of Tennessee and stayed there for about a decade until I married my husband, became a pastor's wife, moved to South Mississippi, and and now we're back. So location-wise, that is where kind of where I've been. Okay. So wait, now I, are you a sports fan by any chance? I'm an SEC football fan. Yes. Okay. I was curious who you chose yes. for with the with the moves. I was wondering how how that worked out. Oh yeah. It it was interesting because I mean I've bled orange my whole life. It was the only college I ever applied to. There was no other option, right? And so I always went to football game. I mean, just huge fan. And then I moved to Mississippi and there's LSU, there's Mississippi State, all the things. And so I, you know, nobody wears orange down there. So that was a little hard, right? Like you walk into church after a big win on Sunday morning and it's just not the same in small town Mississippi as it is in Knoxville or Maryville. You know what I mean? 
And so I got rid of a lot of my orange when I moved. First of all, I just didn't like seeing it in my closet because I just missed Tennessee that badly. And so now that I'm back a couple of weeks ago, you probably, I mean, everybody that's listening, if you follow football, you know that we beat Alabama. And so I, I pulled out one of the few things that I kept because I, I liked it so much. It was a sweater that I, I like wearing kind of a little kimono and I wore it to church that Sunday and my worship pastor came in and, and he was in a bright orange blazer and it was incredible. And I have just missed that for the last four falls. And so it's, it's nice to get to do that again. I feel bad because we're, you know, I'm in Cleveland, so I feel yeah. bad for the the Steelers fans at my my church, but not really. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, there's really, I mean, I love them, but, you know, there's, I like to taunt them just a little bit, just a little bit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You have to. I also give the Dallas Cowboys a really hard time on this podcast, too. Um, in sermons, <laughs> they get it pretty bad for me. So this is just continuing. That thing, so <laughs> that's awesome. So what church are you attending right now? So my husband is pastoring Von Orr Baptist. It's about 20 minutes south of us. So we're probably where we live is probably about 30, 40 minutes outside of the Smoky Mountains. And our church would probably be about an hour outside of the Smokies. So that's kind of where we where we are now. Okay. And you might, I just want to, just for the sake of the audience. So what sparked the move back home? Yeah. It was a God thing, like so many <laughs> huge life-altering decisions are, right? right? We had really been seeking the Lord for, for a good good season of where and what is it going to look like for us to plant roots somewhere? And where is, is God having us in this next season? Is it in South Mississippi and, and planting our roots there? Or is it potentially coming back home? Or is it something altogether different? And we just continued asking the Lord to speak really specifically to us. And he did. <laughs> he did. And it was really cool the way that God put this church on both of our hearts, he did it separately. And we both had prayed about the opportunity for weeks before either of us really brought it up in conversation, which was special um, because it was one of those, oh, wait, you've been praying about this. Oh, wait, I've been praying about this. And, you know, that was sort of the first moment where we thought God might be up to something. And then throughout the whole process, he continued to make it very clear that that's in this season where we were supposed to be. And isn't that a gift? Right. I like, isn't that a gift when it's so clear? Because so many times, I think when we rely on our own understanding and we're just searching and searching and searching, it can be so confusing to figure out God's will. It can be frustrating and, and it still was right in that process where we're trying to figure out if this is what God had for us, but his presence and him speaking to us through his word, um, that is what gave us comfort and, and encouragement and confidence to know that that's where he was calling and so that's what I would probably encourage people with um, out of our story is, is to really lean into him and into his word as you're making those huge decisions, because it can be and, and is really hard. Um, it was our first time leaving anywhere. Mm-hmm. We, we got married and started our life together there. And um, so it's, it's been an amazing couple of months and also 
probably a couple of the hardest months of our marriage, right? Um, just because of the weight and the gravity of that kind of transition. And so we're really thankful for what God's doing and and how he's sustained us and just how he's spoken to us um, just really clearly and, and led us in that. We can do it like in our own strength. Right. And then, yes. and then that's, and every time I made a decision like that, I, it's became a part of my testimony because I didn't wait. Yeah. On the, right. Yeah. You know, and the, we don't serve a God of, of confusion. And I think if we need mm. or we need direction, we have the person who's given the wisdom and direction. All we have to do is ask. Yes. And, yes. and sometimes where I struggle is the waiting, right? <laughs> oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's so easy to tell people just to wait on the Lord until you're the person who has to wait on him for something, right? Exactly. <laughs> it, exactly. So so that's good. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So it's been a few weeks. So you're set up, you're established. This is, you said your fourth podcast going right now. Yes. So when, so you have your own podcast right now. I do. uh, And it is, it's the Radical Radiance podcast. What, what made you decide to start a podcast? What, what was your motivation behind that? Yeah, I had always sensed that that might be a part of my ministry. And when I married my husband, we got married in May of 2019. So I moved from big SEC town in Knoxville, like we talked about, to small town of 12,000 people in South Mississippi. So what you're imagining in, in a culture shift is exactly what took place <laughs> right in my life. And I found myself, to be really honest, I was lonely. I was a lonely pastor's wife. And I had a lot of time on my hands that I had never had before because, to be frank, there's not a lot going on in South Mississippi. And so coming from, you know, so it's football season and I don't have a football game to go to, right? Right. And so I found myself with this time that I'd never had before. And when I recount this season to people now, of course, I can see it in hindsight. I can see it in the rearview mirror. God stripped away a lot of things I held dear, a lot of things that brought me comfort and familiarity to really leave me in a space where I had capacity to do things that I've been dreaming with God about for many years. One of those is writing a book, which I know we're going to talk about. Another one is is speaking more and having a podcast. And so that fall after we married in May, I just sensed that that was that that was the time. I had the time, I had the resources, I had um sort of a vision for where I felt like God wanted the podcast to go. And I think sometimes the hardest part, and I actually talk about this in my book, the hardest part is getting started, right? When we start something new that we've never done before and we're journeying with the Lord into a whole new season or a whole new ministry opportunity, sometimes just figuring out, okay, I don't even know what mic to buy. I don't know what software I need. Do I even have the voice to carry a podcast? All of those questions that go through your mind, we're going through my mind. And that fall, I just gave myself a couple of months to get the equipment, to set up interviews, to batch some interviews and, and get some things in the can before I actually told the world what I was doing. And so I kept it pretty close for, for a long time. My husband knew, some, some friends at our church knew. And then I launched it at the beginning of 2020, Mm -hmm. having no clue 
what we were about to walk into. And so it was such a gift to me in the middle of the pandemic to get to connect with other authors and amazing women and men of God in the midst of what our country was going through, because I got to have conversations that not only encouraged me, but it was able to reach into the lives of all of my listeners and, and do the same. And, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Podcasting is such an opportunity to discipleship people from afar. And I think that's such a special kingdom opportunity that we have. You know, I'll, we'll have this conversation today. And not only will people listen the day you you put it out, but probably five years from now, somebody's going to tune into this conversation that you and I had and, and God's going to use it to, to speak into their lives and what a gift that is. And so I've just seen God work so powerfully through the medium of podcasting and I'm so thankful for it, um, especially in, in this season. And so that's a little bit of the backstory that may be more than you wanted, but <laughs> this is your episode. Take as much <laughs> I'm going to let you carry the show. This is great. I, I think to your point, that's been the biggest, that's probably been the biggest surprise to me is, is the feedback that I'm getting from the people who are listening. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to go over as well as, as it did. Cause I had never done this before, mm-hmm. you know? So I was, I was very surprised by that. So I'm going to, so how did you come up with the name of your podcast? Yeah. So I actually plot twist didn't start with the name Radical Radiance. So when I started the podcast, I really wanted to encourage women to take next steps in their calling, no matter what that looked like for them. I had, and we can get into this more later if you want, but I had led a nonprofit for several years where we took handmade, hand crocheted, knitted, sewn hats into cancer centers all over the country and donated them to cancer patients. This was after my mom's cancer journey, which is a whole different story. But as I got to share about what God was doing in that ministry, women would come to me and say, I feel like I have my own version of that. I feel like God has put something on my heart, but I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to start. And so I was having a lot of these conversations and I thought, what if I had more conversations and I actually recorded them with some of the people who've spoken into my life and allow that to encourage others. And so the first name for the podcast was do the thing. And so the, the whole podcast name was do the thing movement And that's actually do the thing is the title of my book. And so that message is very still a part of, of my speaking and my ministry, but that's where it started. And then I was loving podcasting so much and I felt called to have conversations that were a little bit broader than just our calling and our purpose. And so I started asking the Lord, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I need to do a whole new rebrand? Does that mean... I don't know. I just call it the same name and I expand what we're talking about. I don't know. And and after a while, he made it pretty clear that that it was a, a rebrand and it was going to be sort of the umbrella that my ministry would fall underneath in the years to come. And so he kept bringing this verse in Psalm 34 to mind. And it's, it's verse five. It says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. And so 
the conversations we have now in Radical Radiance really are to equip and help women to see what does it look like for us to radiate the heart of Christ in all that we do in our work, in our calling, our purpose. Sure. We have those conversations. We also have conversations of how do we honor God in our relationships and our friendships and our marriage and our body image, all the things that women struggle with and um, need encouragement. in. we try to have those conversations that will um, point them to scripture, point them to truth and um, lead them towards that, towards radiating the heart of Christ in all that they do. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. What has been, so how many, actually I should ask this question. How many episodes do you have now? Oh man, I edited episode, all these haven't released yet. So I would say I I edited episode 239 this morning. So I think we're at like 235 ish right now. Thank you. So and you said, how many did you, and I'm just, this is, I'm kind of asking this question for anyone who's thinking about starting a podcast. Yeah. You know, I've, some people have asked me how I went about this and I told them I banked a few episodes before I got started also because I have a full-time job. So I, I do too. I, yeah. You know, like outside yeah. of, of this. So it wasn't yeah. going to be easy to just sit down and record every single week. So yes. how many episodes did you bank before you actually put them out? Okay. I love this question because I'm like a systems girl, right? Yeah. Like I live and die by to-do list systems. And if I have a system that's working, that's churning, that's, that's blowing and going, I'm good. And I knew that had to be the case with podcasting for all of the same reasons you just described. And so I think I'm, I'm trying to remember, cause it's been about three years ago. I think I did 10 or 12 before I actually launched, I started out doing once per week for a year or so. I did two episodes a week, which was a whole lot. And once I started writing my book, I had to cut back to one. So I think the general advice I would give anyone is work ahead enough so that when you open your laptop to do an interview, to edit a show, whatever you're doing, you don't automatically feel that stress, mm. right? Of, oh, I'm behind. I've got to catch up. Like whatever it's going to take for you to not feel that, that's what you need to back up and do before you launch so that you're able to carry that momentum forward. Because if you're, you know, even five episodes in, let's say six, that's six weeks of content, right? So if I'm recording, you know, that seventh episode, well, that's not going to, that's not going to go out for seven weeks. So I've got that long to edit it, get it ready and all of those things. And that's really important for consistency's sake. I don't know if you've um, experienced the same, but I, I really think consistency is one of the pieces that matters most for a podcaster that's going to last, right? So if you are going to release once a week, twice a month, whatever it is, just be consistent because people are going to begin expecting to hear from you. And so then if you drop off the face of the earth and you quit recording or whatever, people are like, man, where'd he go? Where'd she go? And if you work ahead enough, you can take breaks when you need them. You can not record podcasts for a few weeks and give yourself a break if you want. What happens is when there's no margin and your life gets busy, your podcast is going to be the first thing to go. 
right? But if you're, if you've worked ahead enough, you can give yourself that margin and you can take those breaks. And so I actually think that, um, it's probably a weird way to say it, but I think working ahead actually empowers you to last in the long haul, not in a way of striving at all. Uh, and that, and that's my, probably one of the things I struggle with the most is I'm an achievement bent personality. And so I, not working ahead and not banking some episodes that crushes my creativity because I just feel stressed. And so when I am ahead by quite a bit, um, that allows me to work on other things that allows me to plan and really seek the Lord for what he would have in this next season of my writing or my podcasting and get direction from him. And and you can kind of see above, above the clouds. Like that's probably a good analogy for it. Whereas if I'm not I, I really struggle. So, okay. My coach, my coach is coming out in me, but that's, that's the long answer of the advice I would give. No, it's, it's spot on for me. That sweet spot is about five to eight episodes. Yeah. As you and I have talked about through, through email, unfortunately I've been sick like three or four different times right now since like July four when I got COVID. So Luckily, I had those episodes banked and we were able to keep putting to keep putting content out. Um, I ended up the last time that I, I got sick, we ended up putting out an episode because we drop every every Monday. OK, we put out an episode on Tuesday just because everything was getting pushed back. We said, we got to get this out. I woke up to messages. Where is what? No, yeah. way, what's going on? You know, and that kind of thing. And I was like. That was actually a really good feeling to be like, wow, people are actually noticing that this is 24 hours behind. That's you know, awesome. Delayed. I so mean, I, is there a bigger compliment? I was like, this is great. And we, yeah. we've been doing weekly and I, I was considering going bi-weekly. And yeah. so this, this episode that we're, that we're doing today is probably going to air in a couple of weeks. But so I can't wait for my friend to hear this. I'm not going to mention her names. I didn't ask her for her permission to say it. But yeah. I said, hey, I'm thinking about going bi-weekly with this podcast. What do you think? She texts you back right away. She's like, I have no interest in a bi-weekly. <laughs> like, you need to keep this going weekly. And then she said, she's like, God will provide. If he yeah. told you, and like, I'm like, I, I pour into you. Like, you don't got to just, you don't have to, you know, hit me like that hard. Like she was like, <laughs> she's like, if God told you to do it, he'll, he'll provide the guests. He'll provide the, the content for, for a weekly show. And I was like, wow. Guess it's true. Doing. It's true, though. I mean, I remember when I sensed that God wanted me to go twice a week and I was like, Lord, I don't I don't know how I'm going to have the time. I don't. And and I was still I think at that point, I don't think I had signed with an agent yet. I hadn't started writing my book. And so I knew I had about a year before I was probably going to be in the thick of book writing. And I thought, you know what? I have the time. God will provide the people. And you just take one step after the other. And, and at the same time, I think we have to be sensitive to when God is giving us those warning lights of, you know, I'm, I'm too busy or I don't have enough margin. And that's also happened in my life. And we have, gosh, we have to listen to those just as much as we do when God tells us to jump into something new. So if God is telling you that, then I think you need to listen. But if it's just a matter of like, I don't know. I don't know. That's between you and God, but right. Right. <laughs> no, it's good advice. It's good advice. 
So we're still weekly because I, you know, my my, my audience would probably leave me at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> how how do you go about finding your guests? So I guess this is going to be a two part question. How do you go about finding your guests? Yeah. Do you decide to go topical interviews? Like how how does how do you make that that distinct that distinction? Yeah, most of my episodes are interviews. Most of my, I would say, the vast majority of them are topics I'll see coming out in, in book world. And I'll think, okay, that's a topic that really matters to my listeners. If you get to know enough of the people who listen to your podcast, it will inform so much to you in terms of planning, at least as for me. And so I know what will land well with my people. I know what will not work and, and won't, you know, maybe land well. And so that's another piece of, of the whole systems thing that we're talking about that I try to stay pretty ahead of the game on. I, I look at catalogs all the time for books that are coming out in the next quarter, you know, at all the kind of major publishers just to see what's coming out there and be able to plan ahead because not only do you have the piece of actually recording with the person and editing the show and all those pieces, but there's also the planning of, you know, are you going to do holiday themed content? Are you going to do something around Easter or Advent or, you know, and planning for those types of conversations that you want to have? And so most of mine are interviews. Most of them are with authors. Occasionally we've brought on some other folks. So we have a couple of episodes coming uh, with some people in Christian music that I'm just, I'm out of my mind excited about. We're having Ann Wilson and Matthew West on the show. And those conversations were both just incredible. And I, I really think my listeners will enjoy those. And so I think it's all about learning who your people are and figuring out how you can serve them best. It's important to know your audience, right? It's important. Yeah. This, we're still, you know, we're still fairly new, but it seems like the, I have a broad audience as far as like demographic age. So we, we've been putting out a lot of different, a lot of different content. And I was surprised at how it's still hitting. Yeah. Despite the diversity in the, in the, in the audience. So. Mm, that's so good. So, I love that. So you're going twice a week now? I was until, it, you know, it was really interesting, Eric. I did it for about a year and I started sensing that it was time to go back to once a week. And I didn't really know why I was enjoying it so much. I love podcasting. I love connecting with new people. I loved releasing that amount of content and my people were loving it. I just started sensing that it was too much and it was sort of one of those, you know, God, God gives you enough of the path forward that you can obey, not necessarily, you know, 10 miles down the road. And so I obeyed and went back to once a week. And then within a couple of months, that's when God started making it really clear that we were probably going to move. Wow. And I'm so thankful that during this transition and finishing up book edits and all of those things, um, my, my load has been lightened a little bit. And so, um, that was just another one of those moments where God made it really clear. And even when it didn't make sense, and even when it doesn't make sense in your own life and the life of your listeners, um, we have to take that step. And, and again, we'll see it in hindsight, like, Oh, okay, God, I get why you asked me to do that now. So. 
do your do your listeners ever reach out to you to ask you for, hey, can you talk about this or have this person on or make suggestions to you? I'm just curious. Yes, occasionally they do. I, I have several that follow, you know, follow me on Instagram and we'll talk via direct message and things like that. And um, usually it's either, hey, I really loved that conversation. Thanks for having it. Or I don't think you've ever talked to so-and-so like, what are the odds you could, you know, maybe sit down with them. And so, but I love both of those conversations. I love hearing from people because I think it really informs, um, you know, the future of the show and, and having people's input in that is just really special. I think it, it touches people too. When like you respond to them directly and say, yeah, yes, if I can make this happen, let me see if we can, we can make this work. So, yeah. I love when people send me like messages and like, Hey, can you try to interview this person or talk about this? Or say, I'm like, I'll see what I can do. I'll just message them. All they can do is tell me no. All they can do <laughs> is tell you no. That's the best. I say that all the time to people. It's it's a, I'm in a lot of people's DMS right now. And I'm like, I really hope I don't get spammed out of Instagram right now. So, yeah. <laughs> so, it's one of the main reasons I went on to unprivate my own actual page. So if you get a message from me or Redwood, it doesn't look like spam and you can check the other just to, for, you know, the sake of legitimacy. I was like, I, I can't have a nonprofit and have a private Instagram page right now. Yeah. I'm reaching out to too many people. And they need to be able to validate something about me. If, even if they don't know me personally, it's okay, well, this is an actual person, not a fake account, just trying to spam or get, you know, money or whatever the case might be. So, yeah. Yeah. So on top of the podcast piece, you also do guest, guest speaking and keynote speaking. I do. do. I do. That is, man, I love I love doing that. It is such a joy to get to share God's word with typically women. Typically I'm doing women's gatherings, women's retreats, conferences, and things like that with churches. And that is just such a gift. And it's something I'm doing more and more of in, in the last year or so and in the coming year or two. So I'm really looking forward to that. What are um, what are some of the, the topics that you typically cover? Oh man, I just did a whole weekend retreat on discipleship. That was so fun. I enjoyed that so much. And I, in the next year or so, I'm doing a lot based off my new book, which is like we we said earlier, it's called Do the Thing, Gospel-Centered Goals, Gumption, and Grace for the Go-Getter Girl. And so there's a lot of topics in there that women battle with as they um, just take steps of forward, steps of forward obedience in their calling. So things like when asked, God asks us to do something new, when God asks us to step into a whole new season and maybe quit something, what does that look like? And um, our insecurities, our fears, comparison, the things that we face in that. Um, I really love pointing women to scripture and to truth to sort of help us know where to turn when we're struggling in those things. And so I'm really excited to do more speaking related to that. And I'm also doing, um, and I've done this a couple of times, I'm doing a couple of retreats in the spring about abiding in Christ, which is another one of my favorite topics to talk about. There you go. So you said you have one coming up in the spring. Do you have any other speaking engagements coming up you want to share with us or any, any specific locations you want to let us know about? Yeah. So you can actually go to radicalradiance.live, L-I-V-E. And if you navigate over to my speaking page, all of them will be there in terms of where I will be. I know I have a retreat in, let's see, I have 
a smaller speaking event in here in Tennessee in January. That one's on the website. I have one in April that's book release month in Texas. I have a few others that I'm about to put on the website. And so the most current calendar is there as well as just information and how to get in touch if you are booking a speaker for something. Okay. So before I preach, I'm usually having a panic attack. Typically, that's usually what's happening. Like the night before, I'm like in a fetal position, like freaking out. Um, what do you do? before? Is there anything you do before you get ready to speak? I'm just curious. I always love to ask public speakers. It's like, is, is there a routine you have? Is there a certain thing you eat every time, things you don't do? I'm just curious. There's so many things, isn't there? Uh, this is the stuff that nobody talks about unless you're, <laughs> you're actually a speaker. So... Things I eat and don't eat, I don't eat dairy before I speak. I don't eat anything super heavy before I speak. Um, Coffee doesn't really bother me. I actually find it helpful to have a little bit of caffeine in my system and a ton of water, ton of water. I have to be super hydrated. I just did a conference on the West Coast a couple of weeks ago. That was the one on discipleship. And just after flying and doing everything that's required to get you where you're going to speak, um, that can kind of dehydrate me. And so I was chugging water. I also have to have enough sleep. I'm not one of the people who can run on four or five hours of sleep when they're speaking at an event. And so I think finding that balance of really getting to fellowship and connect with your audience outside of the time where you're on stage is really important. And I think God uses that time to prepare my heart to be on stage and teach. So I love that. I also have to balance. Okay. It's, you know, at the, in the example of the West Coast Conference, I was getting up on stage to preach in the evening sessions at like 11 p.m. my time. Oh, wow. And so once I got off stage in the evenings, like I was in bed. <laughs> so uh, I think managing some of that is really important. And in terms of what matters, you know, in preparing my heart to get up on stage, I have to have some time alone with the Lord. Um, typically, I'll spend some time in my hotel room just praying over the message and even practicing in my hotel room. Many a time I have stood in my hotel room and just kind of practiced how I'm going to deliver certain things. And, um, and I think God honors that time where we really just sit still before him and, and just get ourselves out of the way. I think that's the main thing. If I said nothing else, I would say just making sure that our heart's in the right place. And, um, you know, my desire is that God would just use his word to speak through me. And so sometimes God knows that that's my heart, but I need to say that to the Lord, right? In order to to really fix my heart on him and prepare my heart for, for speaking. And so I have found that the more dependent I am on him and the more and the more deeply I realize it's him speaking through me, there's less of what you're describing in me in terms of like the anxiety or the panic, like you were describing earlier before you preach. And and that's, that sounds very Sunday school. And like, I, I get that. I just have found the more that I've done this, God has continued to point me to a place where I'm just so dependent on him. And when I am, it gets me out of the way. 
Do you know what I mean? I don't want that to sound like that's the churchy answer that you were expecting, but, but it really is the truth. The more I depend on him, the less I am, I don't know, striving or feeling like it's all on me. Um, so I don't know. Have you seen the same thing happen in your own, in your own speaking and preaching? 100%. Yeah. Because I, one of the things that I do is I limit my distractions because for me, I get, whenever I'm getting ready to speak or teach, I'm off of social media for for a week, which is, I'm grateful that, that Verve Studios runs like the Redwood accounts because I get, I, I don't post, I stay off of there as much as I possibly can, because I don't want that to influence anything that, you know, the God is trying to, yeah. to say through me. And ultimately when, you know, it's my flesh is what makes me nervous. You know, that's what it yep. is. It's, but ultimately what I don't want is to be influenced by something else that I see or hear that is not the message that God wants to come out of me. The way, the way I always view it is they called they called you, they called me, they called whoever to speak or teach or preach for a reason. Yes. That God already ordained that reason. So then I say, okay, well, that means that this word has already been preached. This is already there. So what is it that you're trying to pull out of me? So mm. I get rid of those distractions so I can center and focus on that. So no, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think that's a, a church or Sunday school answer. Oh, I think that's just, you know, you didn't, they don't, the church doesn't call me because they want to hear Eric Stevens, you know, what right. is, what is God getting ready to use Rebecca to say today? You know, what, yes. what is he, he imparting in your spirit? that's going to be for the spirit of those women or those or the, or the men and women you're getting ready to go speak to. So I'm, right. I'm with you. So I just had yes. to get in my own head because I start freaking out. Sometimes. Oh, I know we all do. We all have those moments. And, yeah. and I think that is all the more reason we have to turn back to him and, and realize our rightful place in the situation. And that is getting out of his way. <laughs> Yes, get out of his way. I should get that. I should get that on a T-shirt. Yes, so, I love it. <laughs> so I ask every guest who comes on the show this question. So, what motivates you? Oh man, what motivates me? The Word of God motivates me. Um, being faithful in the little time I have this side of heaven. And knowing how fleeting it is motivates me. I recently lost a, a pretty close family member. It was a it was a great aunt, and man, she loved Jesus so much. And I think loss can put us in a position where we really realize how fleeting this side of heaven really is. And realizing that, and waking up every day thinking, okay. Lord, in this season, how do you want to use me? How do you want to take the gifts and talents you've given me to further your kingdom? I I could say a lot of probably other side related things, but I think that would be, that's it, right? That's it. And so at the end of the day, um, that's what I would say. So that's actually going to lead me into to this. So how do you stay kingdom minded and then keep the kingdom uh, a priority? Because I was mm-hmm. I was just talking to a gentleman last night because I was teaching our, our 301 leadership um, class. And I told him that, you know, you have to stay filled up. Yes. Because if you're going to pour out, 
You can't yes. find cup. Like you have to stay filled up. So if you're reading, I don't know, one Bible verse a day, and then you start leading other people, that one verse won't be enough anymore. You know. Yep. So how how do you stay kingdom minded and keep the kingdom a priority? What do you? Yes, do? I love that question. I love that you're asking that question, and it matters so much. You know. I can't pour from an empty cup like you're like you're describing and we all have right we've all stood up to teach and it's been a crazy week and we've not been in the word as much as we would have loved to because we're human right, right. we are all, we're all human right but that said and I don't think I'm going to say anything that's going to be a major surprise but it it's majoring on the things that we already know lead us closer to the Lord. So it is, it is being so focused on staying in the word, not, not just, not just to prep a message, right? Because I think so many times when we're in ministry or we're leading a Bible study or we're preparing to speak somewhere or prepping for a podcast, it's so easy to be, to quote, be in the word, to prepare for things we're going to do for God versus spending time with God just for the sake of being in his presence. And so that time is so crucial and matters probably more than anything. And, and so does prayer and communing with God throughout the day. And that being sort of a, a, a state of prayer and, and, and always being, you know, our lives being marked by prayers that talk to, talks about in scripture. And so that really matters. Community also matters so much as well. You know, I am so thankful that God has put so many kingdom minded people in my path and in my, in my life, including my husband and my family and, and my close friends and, um, having them interceding for me and, and interceding for them and talking about how God is is speaking to me through his word. All of those things are so crucial in order for my heart to be in a place where I have anything kingdom worthy to say. <laughs> and so I, I think it's, it's majoring on the minor things, right. That we know, um, lead us into a deeper intimacy with Christ. It's it's actually doing those things faithfully one day after another. Um I don't know, would you agree what other what other things would you add to that? No, I 100% agree. I, I actually I said this recently. I don't know if I was preaching or I was teaching somewhere, but I said, you know, you can have a thousand sermons, but if they don't have you it's a problem. And yeah. that means, so outside if the only time that i'm in god's word is when i'm preparing to speak or teach that's a problem yep because how are you living something out only when i have to speak it or or teach it that that doesn't yeah. that doesn't work so it's a you know i mean it, they they call it daily bread for a reason right this is a yes. day and, and day out thing this is not just a a Sunday morning thing or a, a, a Wednesday night connect group thing, or just uh okay, well, they're calling me to speak. I need to, I need to just zone in. I've discovered that it's harder. Like you said, when, when the human element kicks in and I'm not in the word as much as I want to, or I've been sick or I'm not feeling well, it's like, man, I wish I could have had more time to, to prep for this. I, this isn't just like a light switch, you know, that, that annoys you. you just don't turn it on and, and, and off. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be, yeah. needs to be fed. So, um, 
you know, so you can minister out of your overflow. So no, I 100% agree with you, 100%. Yeah. So I think I have the answer to this question. I'm just, I'm curious because I ask every guest this too. So why do you do what you do? Oh man, I think it's already been said, but I just, I feel so called to equip and encourage women to use their gifts and talents to the glory of God. And, you know, I'm one person, you're one person, but if we can equip and and empower others through our ministry and the, and the lives that, you know, the conversation we're having right now will touch, that's such an opportunity to build God's kingdom. And like the whole metaphor of Redwoods that you described to me and how they're connected and how that's such a word picture for us as believers. I feel the exact same way about my podcast and about my speaking and and writing ministry. Um, It is that opportunity to lead people closer and deeper into a relationship with Christ. And as a result of that, we probably won't ever know on this side of heaven how God is going to use that to build his kingdom, but, but we know that he is. And so I think faithfulness in that, um, and and really realizing that, you know, people who listen to my show, people who listen to your show um, are going to spend eternity somewhere, right? There's an eternal weight of that. And, and in the conversations that we have and the time that they spend tuning into the show or reading my book or listening to you preach or what, whatever it is, that's a moment where we have an opportunity to use God's word and and through his word speak to them. And that's such a high honor. And so that's what motivates me. That's why I do what I do. Um, what would you have to add to that? You, you, you just, you put something in my memory when you, when you said that, because it's, I had someone walk up to me and say, you told me this five, you told me something five years ago that changed my life. Mm. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't even remember telling you this. <laughs> wow. I don't remember that that phone call. I don't remember that that text message. I don't, you know, I don't keep track of the things that I do for people. You know, I just I don't I don't keep that scorecard. I'm just like God has done so much in my life that and my you know, my life's been purchased by Christ. So God, what do you want me to do? So I don't just tell me where to go and what to do and I just do it and I'm I move on, you know? And and I'm grateful for the things he uses me to do, but it's to to your point, it's it's that piece. We don't always see right away that that comment or that quote or or that yes or that moment of obedience, what it may do to someone. I mean, this came years later that I didn't yeah. even, they they told me this years after the fact. And I said, Man, praise God for that. Cause you know, three years ago, I know, you know more immature than I than I am now. You know what I mean? You know, sure. Or just less knowledgeable in the word or or still figuring certain things out that I may have a better understanding of today. So like, man, what did I say to you all those years ago? Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. it, but you know, that's, that's thank God for the spirit, the, the, the yes. spirit that you spoke of the spirit. So you no, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. So no, thank you for sharing. That. I'm glad I asked that question. Yes. It's a good question. All right. I cannot wait to get to this next topic because we've been hinting at it for this whole time. So you have a book coming <laughs> Would you like to say the name of the book again in case no one was paying attention for the first 30 Oh, <laughs> I can. I can. So it's called Do the Thing, Gospel-Centered Goals, Gumption, and Grace 
for the go-getter girl. And I've, I've been recently getting, you know, some, some endorsements back and things. So people are starting to read an early copy of it. And the thing or the theme, one of them that keeps coming back is, man, this is like a field guide for me to take obedient steps in my calling. And that's what I hope it is for women that it spurs them on. And like we're talking about, encourages them to take steps of faith towards what it looks like for them to fully use their gifts and talents for the glory of God. When this is over, I'm going to have to get a few copies of this book from you. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, Thank you. Just let me know where to, where to, where to purchase those. Yes. I'd love that. Thank you. So I can pass it on to some folks. Um, is there anything else you want to share? I know it hasn't came out yet, so I don't know how much yeah. about um, the actual topics in the book. So I'm, I'm going to leave that that piece up to you. So what else would you like yes. to know? Absolutely. So it releases April 4th of 2023. So right. we've still got several months now, probably when this releases. But in terms of topics, I can I can talk pretty freely about that now. We talk about what it looks like to have an eternal perspective when God asks us to start something new or endure in a really hard season of our calling. What does faithfulness look like in that? We talk about um, when God asks us to quit things and because he's done that in my life several times where seasons have shifted and, and priorities have shifted and how do we be faithful in that? And the back half of the book talks a lot about the things that women really do battle with in that, not just women, but I'm writing mostly to women that they, they face in their calling. So things like comparison, fear, insecurity, really finding our lane and being faithful in that lane that God has called us to walk in. And the thing that I love about the way my publisher wanted to lay out the book is it's not just you know, your run-of-the-mill nonfiction trade book that you read and move on from. And as a girl who loves to really, really unpack how God's speaking to me and, and journal about that and really seek the Lord for, for my next steps and things like that, there's room for all of that in the book. And so at the end of every chapter, there's a section called For the Go-Getter Girl kind of pointing back to the the subtitle where you get to unpack what we talked about in the chapter through questions, through reading scripture related to what we talked about. And then after every two chapters in the book, so there's six videos, there are six accompanying sort of interactive videos where I will unpack something that I didn't get to talk about in depth in the book, but I felt like was important to, to move forward. And so those are free to the reader, which I'm really excited about. And, um, that's, so that's going to be really fun. And, and I love how that's modeled, um, in terms of the price point. So you don't have to, you know, buy an extra leader guide in order to go through the book with a group, your small group or anything like that. The videos are there for you. And there's a QR code that you scan at the back of the chapter. And, um, I know we're going to have a ton of really fun pre-order bonuses and things like that once we get a little closer to launch season. So I'll be able to share more freely on that probably here in a couple of months. But anyway, that's that's the high level overview. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna someone who, you know, I've never obviously written a book. God has not put anything like that on my heart. So when did you realize you first wanted to write a book? Like when when did you just start getting that inclination? You know, if I look back over the course of my life, I can see that it's in it's in my bones. You know what I mean? I, I've always loved reading. I've always 
been a thinker, a journaler. And when I was a kid, I would play library. I had all of my books organized and had like a almost like a Dewey Decimal system for people to like check out my books. And I had the little library card. So I can think back to to even early moments in my life. And if, you know, my my best friend in second grade were to know that I was an author now, she probably wouldn't be surprised. Do you know what I mean? And so probably about 10 years ago, as I was, you know, finishing up college and walking into career life, I I didn't feel like I was called to very like traditional vocational ministry. Like I didn't think I was going to be like a women's ministry director at, a, at my local church. I also very much did not feel like that, did not feel that I fit the mold of corporate America. Mm-hmm. So I felt like my calling was somewhere in the middle <laughs> and I didn't really know what that meant at 22. And it's taken me some years to figure that out and some, you know, just searching with the Lord and going to some conferences and connecting with other people and and just taking steps forward after step forward. But I've been walking down the path of actually writing a book for about seven or eight years now. And so I went to my first writing conference in 2015. And that was when I, you know, connected with a literary agent and found out what a literary agent is and does and what this whole path of traditional publishing actually looks like. And so, you know, to somebody who has that dream, it um, it's not going to happen overnight. It, at least for most people, it doesn't. And so I think taking one step of obedience after the other, that's at least been my story. Um, I've interviewed some people lately for the podcast who, you know, something happened and, and God saw fit to expand their platform and their territory much more quickly than mine. And that just wasn't my story. Right. So I spent several years really just seeking the Lord for direction and, and one, what to write and what, and how could I use my gifts most fully to speak into the lives of readers? But um, it has been a long journey for me and one that I think, you know, I can I can weave a thread through the majority of my life. And, and it makes sense that this is the path that I'm on. Um, but that's a little bit of the story. There you go. Now, how long did it take to write the book once you got started? So I signed my contract with my publisher last last August of 21. And my book was due in March. So I had eight or nine months, which is actually a pretty long time. I would say on average, you have about six six to eight at, at most. And so they gave me a pretty good chunk of time, which I was so grateful for. So start to finish, it'll be about a year and a half. Okay. Now, this question, I, I've talked to other authors and people who've gone through this process. I'm, I'm really curious what your take is on this. So what is the process? What was the process like for you getting this book published? Yeah. So like you said, everybody's story is different and there's no right or wrong path to being published. In my story, I connected with my now literary agent back in 2015 when I went to my very first writing conference. I thought I was ready to write a book at 22 years old and thought I had the best book proposal that the world had ever seen. And she informed me that I, in fact, did not. And I had a lot of work to do. And I now shudder at the thought of the book I would have written at 22, right? And and like you're talking about, just in how much the Lord grows us and, and refines us over the years. And, and I'm so grateful for that. 
So I went in 2015. I went back to that same conference in 2018, took another proposal, got rejected again. Still felt like it was on my heart and something that God had led me to do. I just didn't know the timing of it. And so it was after I married my husband. And like we talked about at the very beginning of this episode, God had really opened up my capacity to take on more ministry projects like this. I reconnected with my agent in mid to late 2020 after the podcast had kind of gotten off the ground. And it was at that point that I signed with her and we worked on my book proposal and refining the message of the book and really getting that right before we shopped it around to different publishers. And then let's see, spring of 21, we pitched it to probably about 20 different publishing houses. Mm. And it was another one of those moments where God made it abundantly clear who my partner was supposed to be in, in bringing this into the world. We had, we had a few take interest, interest in the message. And, and we even had a couple of calls that, you know, most authors would be, would be so thrilled to have with, with a publisher. And I remember the day I called my agent after one of them and the call had went very well. It just wasn't for me. And I remember calling her and saying, I just feel so at peace about saying yes to David C. Cook. That's, that's who I'm, I'm working with right now. And so we did, and it was later that summer that I signed my contract. And so long and short, it's been a long, long journey, but God's been so faithful to just make the steps really clear. It's, it's, it's amazing to see when God ordains something, how he puts the pieces to together. Yes. And it's, it's crazy how, okay. In the eyes of someone else, well, you should have gone this way or gone that way. But God's like, no, go here and you'll find out why. Yes. And it's sort of that line of when it's not God's timing, you can't force it. And when it is God's timing, you can't stop it. Man. You know what I mean? That's very much been my story with this book. So when, when I kicked off, Redwood to your point of keeping things like closer, closer to you. I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. Told me to involve two people specifically to help me get this started. One of them designed my logo, mm. which I now I just got the email a few days ago. We got the approval for the trademark. So that's after, awesome. Yeah. After like what should have been, which I thought was going to be like, oh, we're just going to submit this and we're good. It's been like 18 months. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, it's such a long process. <laughs> it's, like, it's ridiculous. It's at least been 18 months. And that's just from what I'm remembering right now. I bet if I looked, it's been, all, this was 2020. Yeah. So, okay. We're beyond. <laughs> oh yeah. Beyond two years. Yeah. We're beyond that. It's it shouldn't be this hard to get yeah. a trademark is my yeah. personal opinion. <laughs> it really shouldn't be. They, um, the one thing they said was about the color red that we used. They sent it back and said, you have to put in writing that you didn't create this color. I'm like, I, I have to tell you that I didn't create the color red. That's been the hold up. Okay. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. It's so, crazy. Yeah. So I can, it's, it's amazing how when God tells you just do what I'm asking you, it's, it's amazing what our obedience can, can just lead to, you know? Yeah. The opposite yeah. is true too. It's our maze our disobedience can lead to also. So it's true. It's true. I talk about in the book this idea of deferred obedience. Sometimes we know we know the step God's asking us to take, but there's some things that we do to avoid it. Like, for instance, <laughs> I bet you've never done this. Like, I, I'm I'm still praying about it. I'm still praying about where God's leading, but we know 
you know, and that's so our excuse, but we just, we just want to say like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm really thinking that's maybe where God's leading, but I'm just going to keep praying about it. And so there's just some things that we do that um, will defer our obedience. And there, we reach a point where deferred obedience really is disobedience. That's real. And um, I've experienced that in my own life. And that's one way that I felt really called to encourage women in because um, I just don't want that to hold us back from all God has and in all the ways that he wants to use us. So God literally broke me of something just last night because I was praying with someone last night. I've been getting confirmation after confirmation about something I'm supposed to do. And I'm just like, I really just don't want to do this. Like, I'm okay. not in the mood for this, right? I don't want to do it. This is difficult. This is hard. And it was just like last night, I'm like, okay, this is, it's got to be your way because this is killing me that I'm not listening right now. So I'm only hurting myself. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. Yeah. There's so much joy in the, and on the other side of obedience, you know, and, and so many times that's how the Holy Spirit will speak to me. It's like, I can't get away from it. And then when I finally obey, it's like, okay, Lord, now we can move forward. So. And sometimes he has to put us in that position just to to prune us or show us who we, you know, things that we, yes. things that we need to allow him to, to change about us too, you know? So, yes. Okay. I still, I think I got some other stuff I got to repent for that's coming to mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, when you're writing, when you're, so what's your schedule like when you're writing a book? Like how many hours a day are you, are you writing? Like, how, what does that look like for you? Yeah, it looks different every day. So. I, which you can probably tell by this point in the conversation, very much an achiever, very much live and die by to-do lists. And I, um, yeah, that's just how I operate. And so when I started writing in my mind, I thought, okay, I have a word count of 60,000 words. So if I write, I sit down and write a thousand words a day for 60 days, I'll be done. (laughs) Right? Like writing a book isn't that hard. And so for about a week, I would not let myself quit until I got a thousand words. And I was, I was just forcing the words out and they weren't good words. <laughs> so I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, Lord, maybe I give myself a little bit more grace. And so I wrote at least a little bit every day from the day I signed my contract until the day I turned my book in, whether it was refining a certain part of a chapter or it was outlining and brainstorming or searching the scriptures for how, how to pull biblical truth into a certain topic. I was working on it every day, but it's so interesting how sometimes, you know, with a a couple of topics in the book, I mean, the chapter just, just poured out of me. And then I had several others that I look back at now and and I've had people read it who have said, man, I love, you know, I love that chapter. And I'm thinking, gosh, that was like Mount Everest for me (laughs) getting those words on paper. And so just to encourage somebody in a similar place, whether it's book writing or anything else that we do that, that happens. And I think we have to give ourselves grace for when the words don't flow as easily and, and also thank and praise God for the days when they do. Right. And so every day is different. I would say on average, I'd write an hour to a day, each like business day. And, um, again, I, you know, that was over the course of seven or eight months. And so if it, sometimes it was 250 words, 250 really good words. And some days there were only a few of these, it would be 
to 4,000 words that just came a little bit easier. So I don't know that there was a common thread of what it looked like, but um, that was kind of my story. So. So that brings me, is there anything about the writing process then that you don't like? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, of course there is. Oh man, I, I like refining something a whole lot more than I like staring at a blank piece of paper. Mm. And I, I have talked to writers all over the board on this. Some people hate book edits. Some people love and thrive off of that. I tried to go into the whole process really with an open mind and holding the project really loosely. I think that's important for any author to do, especially in your first couple of books, because while you feel and you and most hopefully you are an expert on your topic, you are not an expert in writing a book. You've never done it before, right? And that was that was my story. I had never written a book before. And so that my editor, my first developmental editor for my book was a New York Times bestselling author who happens to do editorial work for my publisher. So what a gift that I've just been handed to get to learn the craft of writing from a New York Times bestselling author. How cool is that? And so I went into that whole process thinking, I just want to soak up at all the knowledge I can from her. And so once I got over what I, what I didn't really like about the process of, of just getting the words on paper and she took it and ripped it apart and helped me put it back together, it became such a better book than it was before. And so I think that's another piece of advice I'd give to any aspiring writer or first time author is, um, look forward to the day that you get your first round of edits back because it's kind of the day that you become a big girl writer, right? Because you have to choke all of that, all of that feedback and all of the ways that you can improve in your craft of writing. And, and that's only going to lead to an opportunity for you to use that gift more fully for the kingdom of God. And that might be an unpopular way to see it, but um, it really helped me have a right perspective as my work was being critiqued. And, and, you know, some of those parts of the process that people tend to not look forward to, I actually found that it really refined me and refined my writing. Is there is there common traps that that writers or might fall into, or especially for maybe is it in general mm-hmm. first time writers? They're like common traps that you think, wow, most people are having this issue. Yeah, one of them that my editor pointed out, and I did this. So I'll be the first to raise my hand. Um, I had to learn how to be a lot more succinct. Right. If you can say it good in a hundred words, say it way better in 10. (laughs) Right. So learning how to use stronger words, stronger phrases and and not repeating yourself that that's really important. Um, I also did a few things that I think helped me. One of them was I didn't read a lot of nonfiction trade books that were similar to my desired, you know, outcome of a book while I was writing, because I didn't want somebody else's voice in my head. I just wanted to be faithful to the message I felt God had given me. And so I think limiting 
reading resources that are very similar to what you're writing can help you step into your own voice a little bit better. I also think keeping your eyes open to how God's speaking to you in your everyday life while you're writing, always having your eyes open to story, to experience and how God wants to use that maybe in the, in the future writing. And I also read a lot of fiction. Um, that's another thing. These are, these are more tips than anything, but hopefully this helps. I read a lot of fiction because, um, it's, it, your brain processes fiction differently than reading nonfiction. So getting lost in a story and expanding your vocabulary in a different way by reading a different type of writing, I found really helped me. And so, um, and help me become a stronger writer. So I think the traps, you know, come back to being repetitive, having never done this before. And you think, gosh, I've got to get all these words on paper. So you say all the words that you can possibly think of about a topic rather than whittling it down to a core message and saying it as succinctly as possible. And so all those other things that I described, I think help make you a stronger writer in that. Okay. That way. So I'm not, so was there anything about this process that through like the creating the book process that surprised you more than anything else? Oh man. Surprised me. I don't think a ton just totally floored me because I had been connecting with so many authors through podcasting and I had been asking all of the questions and, and things like that. I think if anything, especially right now today, getting started in the publishing industry is um, just a different ball game than it was 20 years ago. You know, 20 years ago, uh, people wrote books because they were good writers, not because they had a big platform. Mm. And, and I think balancing becoming better at the craft of writing while realizing whether I like it or not, my platform is one of the main means by which I'm going to sell this book and also get to continue writing other books. Um, I had to make peace with that, right? With the business side of publishing. And I think where I see a lot of writers struggle is, is getting so frustrated by that, um, that, that it defeats them in, in their career. And I, you know, I, I hope I'm still faithfully doing this in, in 20 years. And so what do I need to do in order to make sure that that's the case? I'm asking myself those kinds of questions. And so I think it's costly, um, to, to walk into publishing right now. And, and, and I think, you know, somehow making peace with that business side of it while also, you know, leaning into the Lord and becoming a better writer and really focusing on that and not getting so swept up in building a platform. Um, you, you have to, you have to manage all of that. So would you, would you say the same about podcasting? I mean, it's, you know, in order for your podcast to grow, right. Typically, you know, um, we're doing that same battle with, with the ugly P word that nobody likes to talk about. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been, it's putting this is actually a question I have for you because I think Redwood kicked off in about 2020. So some of our media stuff is fairly new. Yeah. Uh, in that sense. Do, 
So that was probably the piece that I found was harder for me was putting myself out there on social media, literally putting on social media the same stuff that I preach and teach. But for some reason, it was just harder to to do that. So um, but then I had to really God gave me this voice. He he is. Give, this is his this is his audience. This is his platform. So just trying to be obedient to that and take myself out of it. So, yes. Do you, yeah. Yeah. I had a friend recently tell me she was reading in the gospels where Jesus talks about not hiding our light under a bushel. Right. And letting it, letting it shine on, on the, the stand. And she was talking about that scripture and she said, you know, God really convicted me of how I've struggled with exactly what you're saying of self-promotion or struggling with putting things out there. And she said, you know, I do feel called that God has gifted me in such a way where I am to write and speak for the glory of God. And if I don't share that with the world, I'm not being faithful to how God has, has gifted me. And, and again, whether we like it or not, social media and those types of things are a means through which we are able to reach people for the gospel. And um, so I think in our flesh, we feel you know, oh, I, I don't want to self-promote or it's hard to put things out there into the world. Um, I think when we fix our eyes on the Lord and we realize the bigger picture, um, that's helped me from not getting stuck in that trap. Now, do I still? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do I want my book to reach as many people as possible? Absolutely. I didn't give two years of my life to <laughs> right. writing this message to hope that it didn't sell well. Right. right. Like nobody does that. Right. But we do have to keep that eternal perspective in it. And so I think that's the key. I had one of our um, the the young adult pastor at church. He told me, he said, you know, walk in the boldness of, of a yes. Lord. He gave you this mantle. He gave you this platform. He gave you this calling. Don't don't downplay what God is, is doing in in your life. You know, so yeah. because sometimes whether it's through a lack of confidence or, or self-deprecating humor or whatever the case might be, we can start, well, we don't want to look like this person because it looks like they're just trying to get fans and followers. And it's like, mm-hmm. just walk in the boldness and walk in obedience and just watch what God does. That's what I've been trying to you know, tell myself throughout this process. Yes. Oh, that's so good. So, so this is something I was, I was going to ask you this question. You touched on this earlier. Um, thank you so much for everything you, you shared about, about the book. I'm just curious. So, what advice would you give to other pastors' wives right now? As I know you said when you, you yeah, there was no one around. Like you, you were looking for a circle. But what, what other, what advice would you give to them? Oh man, there's just so much, isn't there? I, you know, I didn't marry my husband super young. I was like 27 when we got married. And so I'd had several years of just independent life and had my own place and was being faithful in the local church outside of, you know, being a pastor's wife. And so stepping into that role of a pastor's wife, a little bit older than probably a typical pastor's wife actually had its own unique set of challenges, right? Because I, I didn't, we didn't grow up in ministry together, right? I married a lead pastor, which is actually pretty rare that a lead pastor is, especially in the Southern Bible belt is, is single. And so we probably had our own unique set of challenges in that. But I think one of the main things that a lot of other things could really root back to would be 
just being faithful in the lane God has called you to run in. You know, there's a lot of temptation in terms of, you know, just pressure that you're going to feel as a pastor's wife to serve in a certain way or to fit a certain type of mold. And most times um, that's not actually what God's put on our hearts. And so one of the things that I'm, um, I don't know, I think I'm, I'm pretty confident in is being able to realize, okay, I'm doing this certain thing just because I feel pressure to, not because God's called me to. And if, and if I'm serving in children's ministry or doing all the things that everybody else wants me to do, but I'm not being faithful where I really feel called, that's miserable. There is nothing more miserable than just trying to keep up with everybody else's expectations of you. And so that's something that I think you have to make peace with as a pastor's wife. And um, I, I tell people often, if I am doing all the things in the church and everything everybody wanted me to do, but I'm not taking time to pray over my husband before he gets up and preaches the word of God, I've missed it. You know what I mean? Ultimately, before anything, supporting him and, and his ministry is is my first priority. And, and then really discerning in this season, where would God have me to serve in, in his church and the local church and being faithful to that. And so those are a couple of things I know I have had to, to kind of work through in the last few years. And, and I've seen God bless that when I have had to say a hard no in order to say yes to what God was really calling me to do. No, that's good. It's one of the we talk about this in some of our small groups that, you know, when you say no to something, you're validating your yes. Yes. You know, and sometimes when you say no to something, you're preserving yourself for your yes. So yes. that's really good advice. That's really good. So one of my last questions for you, how, who, cause you, you do a lot of, of pouring out and supporting and encouraging. So who inspires you to do the things that you do? Oh man, I love connecting through the medium of podcasting. I have made so many friends and mentors through the work that we do um, that I'm so thankful for. You know, most of our work happens in the quiet. Right. And, you know, both of us are in our offices and, and we're hundreds of miles apart. And, and you know, this conversation is going to go out into the world. And um, but most moments of my life actually aren't like big and flashy, right? I wrote my entire book in the quiet of, you know, my little South Mississippi town. And so I think we need so much community to stay encouraged and be faithful and to spur one another on. And so I think in this season, and especially in the last couple of years, the friends that I've made in the industry who are also faithfully walking in their lanes that I can walk alongside and have hard conversations with or talk about, you know, what's working and what's not working or, um, you know, where I feel called to spend my time. Those are the people who definitely inspire me, but also spur me on to, to faithfulness. And so I think whether, you know, you're talking about writing or some other totally different vocational area, I think finding your people and finding your community in that will really, really help you take those faithful next steps. I'm taking notes. That's phenomenal. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. 
This time has has flown by. It uh, really has. I don't believe I'm at my my final question, which is the final <laughs> segment of the show. I have enjoyed talking to you so much. We have to get you back on here. We oh, I would love it. I would love it. Get you back on here. This is the final segment of the show. This is our let them know segment. You can tell the audience anything that you would like to let them know. Whether it's a, I mean, we've talked about the book, but you can promote, share anything, any a message God may have put on your heart. Rebecca, please let the audience know. Okay. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, because this is going to air in a couple of weeks, I think we talked about earlier. So it's perfect timing for this. So I'll, I'll leave you with this. We are releasing an Advent resource that I am so excited to share with the world. Obviously with, with the name Radical Radiance, we're all about, you know, looking to scripture to see what it says about radiating the heart of Christ and all that we do. And so we have pulled together a collaborative or collaboration devotional. It's 21 days and it's called light of the world. And we look at all of these different scriptures that, that talk about, um, light and whether it's the church being a city on the hill or Jesus calling himself the light of the world. Um, we look to those types of scriptures and, and see what it says for us in this, in this Advent season. So there's three weeks. The first week we talk about knowing the light Second week, we talk about experiencing the light. And the third week, we talk about sharing the light. And so there's a workbook with all 21 days that is absolutely free that you can go grab at RadicalRadiance.live. We also have an audiobook version where I narrate the entire devotional for you if you're an auditory learner and you want to access it that way. And then I... Man, do I, I love Christmas and I love Christmas music. And so we put together a Spotify playlist for you to listen to throughout the Advent season that is just really worshipful. There's some fun songs on there, but for the most part, um, we just hope and pray that it leads you um, to just a really meaningful Advent season of remembering um, Jesus's birth and, and all that that means for us as believers. And so all of it's free. You can go grab it at RadicalRadiance.live and we'll be walking through it in the month of December. So I'm really looking forward to that. And no matter where you're listening to this podcast, all of the links for um, Rebecca's social media pages, her website is going to be um, either in the comment section below or in the links above. So you'll be able, be able to find all that. We're going to give them all your information so they can check those things out. Perfect. Thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the show today and just taking time to share your insight, whether it's your wisdom, your passion, your energy. We really do appreciate it. So we got to get you back on here after your book releases so we can hear how that process is going for you. Oh, I would love it, Eric. I'm so grateful for what you're doing and the ministry God's put on your heart. And I just can't wait to see what he continues to do with. Um, I, I just love the name and I love what that stands for and what God's doing through you for his kingdom and that. And so keep up the hard work and, and I'm excited to. Um, to continue to see what he's doing. Amen. Praise God for that. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. Me too. Bye-bye.